It's time to take a look around the NFL with our weekly visit from John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. You need to see a dog make a play. No puppies. I need a dog to make a play. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And John McClain joins us now on the phone lines. One of my favorite conversations we have each and every week here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And John, the Raiders squeak out and escape out of Cleveland with a 16-14 victory. And it's December. It's almost Christmas, John. You've been around the league for a very long time. How difficult is it to win a game in the NFL, and especially one in late December? Well, first of all, this is the most competitive time of the year. Teams try to get those playoff positions. The Raiders had to win it. They did. That keeps them in the race for the playoffs. And I'm guessing when they blew that 10-point lead, people were freaking out. And uh, I almost felt sorry for the Browns, considering how many people they were missing. Mm -hmm. But for Carlson, to hit that field goal twice. And the second one was even better than the first one. I'm assuming that reverberated all the way back to Oakland with people celebrating, especially to win it on the road. A lot of times teams that play indoors don't play so well outside in December, but the Raiders played well enough to win that game, 16-14. to 14. Right, they did. And, John, you, you'd be surprised. A lot of Raider Nation is upset by the, the, the win because it was an ugly win. I say that in air quotes because I don't think an ugly win even matters. It's December, and you found a way to get a win. Q, it's like I was saying when, and when, uh, when I was back a young man, and I used to hear people say all the time about, oh, ugly is better than old nothing, and that's the truth. It doesn't matter how. It doesn't matter where, why. The only thing that matters is winning. And I used to say on my station here, haven't said it lately, when people would complain about a win, I'd say you compare complain about a pimple on Halle Berry. And <laughs> that's just who they are. I love it. I'm going to use that one. I'm definitely going to use that one at some point. Talking right now with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle on Twitter, at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. And you mentioned how many people the Browns have out. And, John, I mean, that's across the league. There's so many teams. I mean, we're still in week 15. There's two games tonight because so many players are out due to COVID. Is the league going to be able to get all these games in? I mean, I know they've lessened their, their testing, but they're trying to get these games in. And it just seems like it's getting worse before it gets better. Well, a lot of the players who, who are out feel great. There's no problem at all. It's strange. You can have the flu and throw your guts up and sneezing, and you can still practice and play. But by God, if you test positive for COVID-19, you're not. Some of them are contact tracing. And the league, that's one reason you have 16 practice squad players, is they're going to play the game. The only reason they wouldn't is if you couldn't fill the team. Right, no doubt. We're talking again with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. And uh, I, I, I shared the story that you told me when I was on the radio in, in Central Texas uh, a few years ago. You said uh, that no matter what the storyline is, Q, it's always about the money. It could be a player upset about their contract. It could be a coach upset. It could be someone wants to get traded. It all goes back to about the money. And, and, and John, uh, a lot of the, the changes that have happened as far as the, the NFL and the NFLPA making sure that they get these games in, like you just talked about, it also goes back to the money. The business of football, Q, the business of sports. You don't have the luxury that you have in NHL or the NBA or college basketball when you play so many games. And these games are the most important at this time of year. You know, you look at these playoff races with three games left, there are changes that could come in first place, like if Buffalo beats New England and wins out, the Bills play Atlanta and the Jets. 
if they beat this, I think they're going to win that division. Cincinnati, 8-6, plays Baltimore, Kansas City, and at Cleveland. I think Baltimore is going to beat them because I don't see the Bengals sweeping the Ravens, and I think the Bengals will be left out of the playoff race. But that's what's so interesting. In NFC, I believe Arizona will lose the NFC West mm. to the Rams. The Rams are hot. The Cardinals are not. Cardinals play Indianapolis at Dallas and Seattle. That's a tough schedule. Rams play at Minnesota, at Baltimore, and San Fran. And so it's it's uh, it's the fun time of the year, with the exception cue of the first game of the season, which is always so exciting for everyone, even the Jaguars, Texans, and Jets, and Lions. And, but this time uh, is the most exciting time of the regular season because of the playoff race. And I like the fact they added an extra playoff team that there's seven in each conference because it just keeps so many fan bases interested. Right, exactly. Uh, the Raider, the Raider Nation, they go in and then out. They're done, and then all of a sudden the Raiders find a way to reel them back in, and they did that last night with the victory. You mentioned the Ravens, John. I wanted to ask you about them. John Harbaugh has gone for two twice to try to win a game and lost both of them. I love the aggressiveness, but what did you think about that play and, and, and that call? Did he, did he make the right decision? I've always, I'm, I know people talk about analytics, 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 but sometimes to me it comes down to common sense. <laughs> if he's got Lamar Jackson at quarterback, I can see him going for two every time because Lamar Jackson is such a great player and a great talent. But if it's not Lamar Jackson, I want to say, I want to take the points. And I think analytics doesn't look at players, injuries, time of the game where seeing how many guys, the defense that's been on the field too long and is getting worn out, things like that, and things sometimes common sense should prevail. One of the uh, teams I wanted to ask you about is a team that you, you see a lot in the division that the Texans are in, and that's the Jaguars. Uh, Urban Meyer gets fired late last week. I think we all saw that coming, but what did you think of that whole shakeout with Urban Meyer and all the allegations that came after that? Well, I'm surprised that it took so long, primarily based on that episode after the game in Cincinnati, in which he was filmed in those videos with a young woman dancing in his lap. And if they didn't find him then, I thought he'd move to, to the end of the season. And as I was in Jacksonville this weekend, it's like a dark cloud was lifted off that city, and people were so relieved because it was just so much tension. And they said he lied all the time, even when he didn't need to lie. People with lots of NFL experience would say, well, Urban, you should do this. Or, Urban, you shouldn't do that. And he didn't listen. He did it his way. It's the way that worked in college. Certainly did not work in the NFL. Now they've got to start over. And the first thing they need to do is get a legitimate general manager and let him hire the head coach. And they're going to end up with the first pick in the draft Again, I think there should be a law against the team being so inept that it gets the first overall pick two years in a row. That just doesn't seem fair to me. 
John, we were talking about draft picks a little earlier in the show because I was talking about I'll never complain about a win, and, and I don't think that teams sign up to lose games and, and get the you know the difference between a, a number eight overall pick instead of a number six overall pick. If you lose, you get number six. If you win, you get number eight. I don't think people sign up for that. I know people talk about it all the time. But how difficult is the draft I, it, as far as just a crapshoot? Like, you really don't know. You feel like there's a science going into it, but I feel like that there's re- it's really just a crapshoot. Well, first of all, um, teams that know what they're doing, like New England and Baltimore, consistently pick near the bottom of the first round. They've done an amazing job. Patriots get to pick 15. They take Mac Jones. He's the best rookie quarterback in the NFL. He's going to run away with NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. And then there's a team like the Jaguars. I wrote a column about this today, Q, that's on our sports website, Texas Sports Nation. The Jaguars have only had one winning season since 2007, and they've lost double figures four in a row. They've had losing records 10 of the last 11 years. 10 of the last 11, they've lost at least 10 games, and this is the one that kills me. In the last 10 drafts between 2010 and 20, 11 drafts, sorry, they've had... uh, 11 picks in the top 10, and only one still on the team, outside linebacker Josh Allen. But a lot of them are playing with other teams. So when draft choices don't work out, it can be because of coaching, not just the head coach, but the position coach, the coordinator. A lot of times, too, you see a quarterback bomb out with his first team, and you have to have patient owner. Like when Peyton Manning went to the Colts, you know, they changed head coach from Jim Moore to uh, Tony Dungy, but they always had Tom Moore as his coordinator. And when you have the same coach, the same system, and most of the same teammates at skill position, it makes such a difference. But there's a lot of times I want to look a deeper dive into, is it the player? Injuries? Is he, is he immature off the field when he's got millions of dollars? Or could it be the team? Derek Carr, eight years, five head coaches, five offensive coordinators. Going to be a sixth one after this season's over, going into year nine. Just a little side note right there. John McClain. Yeah, the- can you imagine, Q, if he had the same head coach, same coordinator, same quarterback coach, and same system the entire time? Would he be a better quarterback? Yes, he would. No doubt. No doubt about it. Again, we're talking with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. My man, DeMond, had a question for you. Yeah, John, what you're talking about, that is a very interesting conversation, but i got to take it back to Sunday's game with the Texans and the Jaguars. We saw a fan on the field. You were there. How long was he on the field? What, what, what was going on there? Is that the perfect encapsulation for the Jaguar season that nobody cares and a fan can just like sit in the end zone and watch a play super close? He came down on the field and he got walked out into the end zone. They sell Trevor Lawrence wigs with long straight hair. He was wearing one of those. And um, the play wasn't close to him, but he's standing there. And let me tell you something. The security guard, who may have been responsible for the how he got in, he drilled him as hard as you can drill a fan. And I hope he got him good. Because anybody that dumb or that drunk or both to do that, I go back, if you Google this, Mike Curtis of the Baltimore Colts, a ferocious middle linebacker. They're on the field. Here comes a fan running out there onto the field. He just leveled that guy, just leveled it. And Google Mike Curtis and a fan, and you'll see it 
And that's the way it always ought to be. It says on your ticket, everybody knows, a judge and a jury would know, you run onto the field, you take your life in your own hands. I love it. All right, <laughs> back to the serious conversation now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Great stuff. That's John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. That's a great mic drop moment right there. Uh, I really do like that and appreciate that. John, you mentioned uh, putting some stuff out on Texas Sports Nation. What you got coming out that everyone needs to look out for? I wrote a column today about the Lions and Texans winning, Jaguars losing, change the dynamics at the top of the draft, and what I believe will happen. I'm writing one tomorrow of how there's going to be so many teams looking for quarterbacks. And in a draft, it might not be real good for quarterbacks. Those on the market, like Deshaun Watson, possibly Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and Jimmy Garoppolo, teams might get more than they even were thinking about originally. And specifically, I'm talking about Watson, and I've targeted 11 teams that could be interested in him, including four seriously you know what i'm glad you said that because last week right when we hung up with you i got a text message about asking you about deshaun watson and if you're hearing any kind of movement at all where teams would be interested are, are you you're not hearing any right now but you're thinking of there could be a, like like you said 11 of them that could be potentially interested in them people wonder what well, would teams back away because of these legal issues look at look at the bugs and antonio brown they welcome him back with open arms despite multiple suspensions lawsuits from women, and they're doing it because, as Bruce Arians said, it makes our team better. So you think somebody wouldn't want a quarterback like Watson, who was outstanding last season, Keelan DeMond. People forget how good he was, and he's not beat up this year. He's only 26 years old. Last year, he led the NFL in completion percentage, yards, average per attempt. He was second in quarterback rating to Rodgers. Tied for six touchdowns, 33, seven interceptions, and he's had a lot of time to get fired up about playing in 2022, but he better get those lawsuits settled. Right, absolutely, no doubt about it. John, great stuff as always. We do appreciate you. We look forward to talking to you next week. Have a happy holidays. Q and Damon, you guys have a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all your listeners. Thank you. There he goes. The great John McClain right there. That's the general. You can find him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL has many, 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 many moons of knowledge about the NFL and always appreciate his time. He gives us each and every week. So uh, John McClain right there, Houston Chronicle. We catch him every single Tuesday at three o'clock, three seventeen is the time. Come back, uh, get your calls and texts. This is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation radio, nine twenty. What does it mean to be a Raider? What to you, what does it mean to be a Raider? Man, being a Raider is not just being a football player. It's not about the just the jersey or just the just the helmet. It's about a lifestyle. It's about it's about loyalty. It's about doing whatever you have to do to help your brothers, to help your family. That's what it's all about. It's never putting yourself above the shield. That's what being a Raider is all about. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Got a quick text on the Salmon Ash text line 69187 QRNR. And if you can hear it, I'm already laughing. My man Robin Oakland said, Damon, you may get a reaction from Q if you play Talking About Bank, the instrumental by the Who Riders. Max and Unique, they be Who Riding on quarterbacks. Love it. Love it. Robin Oakland. 
Shout out to the five and dime. Shout out to the who riders. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> they be who riding? That's why I'm laughing because I knew that was going to be your reaction. I love the fact that one thing about Damon that I could promise you is probably his best quality is that he's so damn genuine. Like when he says, what the hell does that mean? That is exactly what Damon means. What the he's not putting on a front. He is keeping it 100 all the time. And I'm not going to lie the way he, because he spelled it all as one word. Right. I thought it was missing an E. <laughs> uh, sir, that's a misspelling there. <laughs> and no, and then it's just like, what do you What do you mean? Who riders, man? You got it. Hey, like John McClane said, Google it. Google it. While, while you're Googling it, let's go out now to I'm the I'm trying re- to think about what this is. Who riding? Who riding? Because if it's got that bay feel, who riding? In my head, that's how it sounds. It got that It got that Cali That Cali feel. You have to You have to go on and go check it out. Well, no, it ain't that. It, it, it's, it's way before the hyphy movement. Way before. We're going to learn you around here, Damon. We're going to make you a a, 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 bay, a a bay legend at some point. 702-365-9200. Let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line, though, and let's go down under. Rossi in Australia. What's on your mind, brother? Oh, man. You should never, ever be upset with a W. I don't understand these, uh, these people. Um, a, a, a win's a win in the NFL. You can only beat who's in front of you. Uh, I don't care about the moving of the game. Um, we got the win. The, the the record is seven and seven, and, and, and we move on. Summing up the uh, season in one word, I'd call it bipolar at the moment with uh, the way that this team plays. Uh, just beating teams. You listed the teams uh, at the start of the show uh, who we've beaten, uh, and then we go and lose to the. The Bears, the Giants, right. uh, the Washington team that we should have beaten. Yep. Um, all of these games. So it's just up and down, up and down. The other thing I just want to quickly say to the Derek Carr haters, everybody's on Twitter going Derek Carr, blah, blah, blah. First and foremost, he is not the problem with this team. We know that. He's on a team-friendly contract, uh, and that means that money goes into other parts that do need some serious uh, help. Look at the guy in Seattle. He takes all the money that they've got and there's no protection for him whatsoever and they're an awful team. The other thing with that is that if you want Devontae Adams, DC's a big part of that. He's the calling card. Mm-hmm. So if you want Devontae Adams for four years, guess who's quarterbacking for four years? So just be careful about what you're wishing for here. Right. I don't have a problem with DC. I want Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is a Raiders player in, in, in my eyes. But I like it, it. comes with, with, with Derek Carr. Yeah. yeah. Understand that. Right. That's a good hey, that's a good one. Rossi, thank you so much for your call, man. I love the breakdown and that's a good conversation, man. Maybe we'll have that on tomorrow's show. You know what I mean? And and, and I know that talking about the offseason is way too early. I, I want to really push that off until uh, the season's actually over before we start talking about players on other teams. But that's a good that's a good question right there. That's a good thing to think about. You know, a lot of people have said, Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams, go get him after this season. You know, he'll be done in Green Bay. Me, personally, I don't think he's getting out of Green Bay. I think that he's going to end up being a guy that catches the franchise tag because why would you let that talented dude out of out of town? But I also didn't think DeAndre Hopkins was going to get traded from Houston to Arizona. I also didn't think multiple things. I didn't think Tom Brady was going to be playing for uh, for the Buccaneers at any point. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that I didn't think. So just because I don't think so means nothing. 
Uh, I have no problem admitting that. But uh, that, that's an interesting conversation. I probably won't have it tomorrow, but that's a conversation for a good day. Uh, Rossi, thank you so much for that. Let's take one more call before we get to Ted Nguyen from The Athletic. How about Raider562? What's on your mind? Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, how's it going? How's it going, Q? Blessed, blessed. How you doing? I'm, I'm blessed as well, man. I, I'll never be mad at a win. You know, it's, it's just win, baby. And, you know, it's, all, it's always been that, and it's always going to be that. But if I had to describe this uh, relationship, it'd have to be toxic relationship. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> it'd have to be a toxic relationship because I, I see the potential and where we could be, and that's what's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. And the Raider Nation gets frustrated with it because, uh, you know, it's kind of like everybody you'll see it, like up-tempo, up-tempo uh, pass to set up the run. That's what I see, and that's where I see we've had our success in most of the games where we won. We jump out, have that high energy, jump out on teams like we did in Dallas, and move at a at a high pace of energy. And it seems like we can't we can't keep that consistently. Right. And it, it, it that's a part of the problem. Right. I like it. I like it. Great call. And I love the, the, the toxic word because that, that is how it is, you know, and you can have a relationship that looks great on paper, looks great when you're out in, in public and you're walking down to a, you know, whatever, you're going to the club with your girl or you're walking to the movies or something like that. Oh, that's such a good looking couple. But behind closed doors, man, it's hell on wheels. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's, and that's real. How many times have we seen, oh, that's such a good looking couple. Hell, I saw that Megan Good is getting divorced. Megan Good. She's getting divorced. Everything that looks good, like my grandmother said, rest in peace. Just because it looks good and feels good, son, don't mean it is good. She said that about my older son's mom. The minute she met her, she said, uh, son, I need to pull you to the side. She went and told me that straight up. I didn't even know what she meant by that. I know now. <laughs> it didn't take long to figure out what she meant by that. I know. Just because it looks good and feels good don't mean it is good. It can be toxic behind closed doors. You ever heard about putting on a front? Sometimes you put on a good face. When you're in public, hell, I've had relationships like that. I can tell you about them. That'd take a long time. We wouldn't be in the huddle no more. <laughs> We'd have been out the huddle <laughs> past the game time. We'd be, man, it would, man, you don't want that problem. That's a lot of smoke, brother, <laughs> and you don't want that. 328 is the time. When we come back, Ted Nguyen from The Athletic, he'll join us to break down the Raiders' defense. This unnecessary roughness, very unnecessary today on Raider Nation Radio 920. Yo, what's up? What's up, Raider Nation? It's your homie, Too Short, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920, baby. And welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 92331 is the time. Right now, we're blessed to have on the phone lines Ted Nguyen, our good friend from The Athletic, on Twitter at FB underscore Film Analysis. And Ted, thank you so much for your time, as always, my man. And really just wanted to have you on to talk about the Raiders' defense, who, in my opinion, gave the, the team an opportunity to, to squeak out a victory in Cleveland on Monday night. They got it 16-14, to 14, but in my opinion, the defense is what really led the way. And the, the number one goal, in my opinion, was that they had to stop the run. And they did a good enough job. They didn't do great, but they did good enough. You know, they held them under 100 yards, and you know that that's what the Browns want to do is run, run, run. What did you see from Gus Bradley's defense that allowed them to be better against the run than they have throughout the course of the year? Yeah, you know, coming into this game is, is very obvious going to their third-string quarterback that, you know, was on the practice squad that they, they weren't going to try to pass the ball. And obviously the strength of that team was – is their offensive line, even though they're missing their tackles. But they had Nick Chubb, one of the arguably the best running back in the league. Um, and the 
the Raiders came out. They played a lot of base personnel. They they had um, they played a lot of their best run defenders, like Clellan Farrell got some playing time. Nassim got some playing time. Markel Lee, um, who is playing for Denzel Perriman. I think Perriman would have got a lot of those snaps that Markel Lee got. Uh, so, you know, it was very obvious that they they want to get big bodies in the game. I thought um, I thought Jonathan Abram was really good against the run, filling filling on the outside, chasing plays down from the weak side, making open field tackles. Uh, this is you know his sort of game. This is mm-hmm. the game where he could shine because th- that those are his skill sets. Uh, so so they did pretty well against the run. They you know they gave up a, a couple a few big runs uh, to Nick Chubb, and you know it's hard to stop bottle them up for the entire game. And, and the Browns had a really good play call in that touchdown that they they did give up um, and. Another key, uh, another key in this game was uh, Divine Diablo, the, yes. the rookie linebacker, uh, who has been playing really well. Um, you know, I, I started noticing him in the Kansas City Chiefs game. I did a YouTube breakdown of his, his game. Then, you know, he wasn't perfect. I thought he was, um, you know, a little impatient at times. But watching this game, I thought he made some big improvements, and he, he was a key part of um, the run defense. And when he was out, that's when um, the Raiders gave up that. Um, that touchdown to to Nick Chubb, so you know he he's one of the bright spots that um, in, in this last part of the season. Yeah, no, he really is. I'm glad you went to Divine Diablo because I wanted to ask you about him and converted safety. He's playing that linebacker role, and I mean Corey Littleton's been starting every game since he's came over from the Rams and been with the Raiders, and he got five snaps last night. I mean that was it because Divine Diablo uh, had a lot of play. You said you noticed him in the Kansas City game. What has he been doing? How has he been improving week to week to where he's getting the majority of the snaps like he did Monday night? Well, you know, like you said, he was—he's a converted safety, and he's playing a totally new position in, in this defense. And uh, you know, with that Seattle Gus Bradley system, they want athletic linebackers. So you know, around a league, guys that are from that tree—they're they're converting safeties to linebackers. But it, it doesn't always work out. You know, sometimes these guys aren't aggressive enough. Sometimes they—they uh, just can't make those reads that you need to make in that tight space. And um, you know, week to week, you see Diablo just started to, starting to get. A little bit more comfortable. He's making, you know, he's a little more patient. He's not running himself out of position, and, and he's pretty physical too. For a guy who's a converted safety, he's taking on blocks, and um, you know, and, and a good example of that is that that third down, that last third down that the Raiders needed to stop uh, the Browns in to to get the ball back to the offense. Uh, it, it was third and three. They they ran a, um, a outside zone with the lead blocker, and Diablo came up and he he jolted that fullback and he knocked him back into the backfield and he caused Chubb to cut back into the, the defense and um, help, and helped on the tackle. So, you know, he, he's pretty physical for a guy that's converted safety and he has those athletic traits that you, you want from um, a, a, a you know, former defensive back. So there's a lot of potential there. Uh, you know, he still has some room to improve, um, but he, yeah, there's there's a lot to like watching him. There really is. Uh, I think he's become, quickly becoming a fan favorite as well. Again, talking about Divine Diablo, and we're talking with Ted Nguyen from The Athletic, breaking down the Raiders' defense right now. You mentioned Jonathan Abram uh, having a really good game. I feel like it's one of the best he's had all season, if not the best of his career. Is there a chance that Gus Bradley can continue to use him in that same style that he played on Monday, even though all the teams that he plays against obviously aren't going to be the run heavy like the Cleveland Browns are? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's tough. I think Bradley has done a pretty good job of trying to, you know, obviously his weakness is his coverage ability, and I think Bradley has done a pretty good job of putting him in position where you know, he's not going to get exposed. But there are 
you know, offensive coordinators are smart and they know how to, um, you know, isolate them at times. And, you know, as much hiding as you, you, you can do, you only can do so much. Um, and this is the type of game where it's just, you know, you know the Browns are going to run the ball and it just allows him to tee off. And, you, you know, you just saw his, um, his linear speed. You saw his, his physical ability, his, you know, his aggression. Uh, but I think, you know, it, it, it's playing the safety position. You only could hide him for so long. So I don't think that, you know, you'll see him play this sort of game too often unless he makes some dra- dramatic improvements in um, coverage. But, I mean, you know, this might be a case for him converting a linebacker one day. You know, like right. Keanu Neal is kind of a, a same type of uh, safety, and he, he's converted the linebacker with the, the Cowboys. And from what I remember, he, you know, he's been playing pretty well. So, yeah. uh, you know, that might be something you see from him in the future. That's something I didn't even think about. And you're right, Keanu Neal has made that, uh, that conversion, and he's done well uh, there in Dallas uh, under Dan Quinn. That's a good one right there. I like that. One guy I didn't see a, a lot from or anything from really on Monday night was Unique Ngakwe, and he's put in a heck of a season, but no sacks for the Raiders at all. And he looked like he was just out of position multiple times, really didn't look like he had much pass rush again I know that has a lot to do with the Browns trying to run the ball and get it out of Mullen's hands but what did you see from Ngakwe last night yeah it, it was a little bit disappointing uh, I thought the pass rush was a little disappointing because you know on, on a few third downs and in, in passing situations I thought uh, Ngakwe would just go off on, on these backup tackles but um, you know he might have been tired from the run defense um, you know, maybe something else has been going on with him, but he just did not look like himself. I just didn't see the burst there on that that last touchdown that gave the Browns the lead. Uh, he he fell down like mm-hmm. he, he tried to he tried to get off and he fell down and he, he I think he ran into a defensive tackle which just totally knocked away you know knocked off that left side. That's why Nick Mullen was able to get so much time and roll over to the left and, and then finally find somebody open because. Ngakwe just fell down, and, and then he took out his, his own defensive tackle. So it, it was probably his worst game of the season. But, you know, he, he's having a really good season overall, so it doesn't take too much away from him. Uh, so hopefully he's okay and he, he can bounce back from that performance. Yeah, they're going to need him on Sunday against the Denver Broncos. Again, we're talking with Ted Nguyen from The Athletic here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions for you. Damon, you're up. All right, Ted, moving from one defense into another, Max Crosby, he got his first Pro Bowl selection. And for some that say he only has five sacks, what have you seen watching the film on him this season that's shown why he is a lead, one of the best defensive ends in the league and worthy of that Pro Bowl selection? Oh, yeah, I, I'm not worried about that sack number whatsoever because he's getting double teamed. He, you know, Offenses are putting their focus uh, on taking him away. And he still has, I believe, he either has a top – pressure rate or second uh, pressure rate in the league. And, you know, I think that's the, the, the more important number because there, there is a certain as- luck aspect when it comes to finishing sacks at times. And, you know, it's not like Arden Key where he you – know, and Arden Key is having a good season, by right. the way, for the Niners. But, you know, it's not like he's running past these guys and not being able to get sacks. So there's, there's times where, he, you know, somebody else gets there a little bit before him or, you know, there's, there's other factors. But the, the main thing you control, you control your pressure rate. And he's been lights out when it comes to when it comes to that. And when you watch him against the Browns, he made a lot of plays against the run, too, uh, against, um, against the Browns. And he was a key part of why um, they were able to bottle up Nick Chubb. So, you know, I'm not concerned about that, that sack number whatsoever. He'll, you know, he'll have an 
if he's pressuring the quarterback this way, there, there's no way he doesn't get multiple you know, double-digit sack seasons eventually. Right. No, he, he's had a heck of a season and uh, very excited. And he's very emotional as well about that Pro Bowl nod. And uh, so uh, hats off to Max Crosby for the season he's put in. And, Ted, before we let you go, uh, the Denver Broncos, they're headed to town. They'll be at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. Uh, what is Gus Bradley and that defense going to have to do to go up against Drew Locke, who most, most likely will be in for Teddy Bridgewater, who went down to a concussion? So, so how do they adjust their defense to kind of slow down uh, what, what Drew Locke and, and, and that Denver Broncos offense wants to do? Well, you know, I, I think Drew Locke will probably throw the ball a little, you know, throw the ball downfield a little bit more than Teddy Bridgewater does. And I, I don't think you have to make any major adjustments because, you know, Bradley's just going to play his cover three. He's going to sit back. And as long as you don't give up big plays to Drew Locke, you know, you're just hoping he makes that big mistake, which he's been known to do in his career. Um, so, I, I think the main thing is you, you want to stop the run again. Uh, you know, they have a pretty good uh, running back duo over there in Denver with uh, Giante Williams and uh, Melvin Gordon. So mm-hmm. you, you stop the run and you don't give up big, big plays and you, you just wait for, uh, you, you wait for Drew Locke to give up that interception. You know, that's the reason why he was benched for uh, Teddy Bridgewater. And that's what he did last time. He was uh, at Allegiant Stadium. He, he gave it up, served it up many times. So, uh, yeah, yeah he, he will give you an opportunity to make some plays. Ted, fantastic stuff as always. You mentioned a, a YouTube video that you put out with uh, about Devon Diablo. Uh, what else do you got coming out on The Athletic or you got coming out on YouTube that uh, fans should be on the lookout for? I, I'll do a breakdown on um, Carr's interception um, in, in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, I, I think – there's people. There are people that are kind of confused on the play call and what happened on that play. And after the game, Zay um, Jones kind of put a little blame on himself. So I'll uh, I'll talk about that play and, and why um, Carr made that throw. And um, yeah, uh, that'll be up maybe to tonight or tomorrow. All right, fantastic stuff as always, Ted. We always appreciate your time, and I uh, look forward to talking to you uh, down the line. All right, have a good one. All right, there he goes. Ted Nguyen from The Athletic does a fantastic job with film breakdown. Uh, that'll be a good that'll be a good little YouTube look. I'll, I'll definitely be paying attention to that. Uh, Fargo Raider earlier in the show had mentioned uh, that that was really on Zay Jones, and so Zay had made the reference to it being on him as well. So we'd love to hear from Ted and just how his how he saw that breakdown on that Derek Carr interception late in the game on Monday night. Again, you could catch Ted on Twitter at FB underscore film analysis. 3.43 is the time. We'll come back. We'll close out the show just like that. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy, Q. Fantastic show. Great guest, Ed Grant from the press box. He started us off at 2.30. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle kicked us off at 3 o'clock, kicked off hour number two, and then we just heard from Ted Nguyen from The Athletic. A little film breakdown. Plus, of course, show wouldn't be a show without feedback both on the Sam and Ash text line and, of course, the phone line as well, 702-365-9200. We have a few minutes left in today's show, so if you'd like to get your call in, uh, get your thoughts in, feel free to hit us up. Again, 702-365-9200. We got a ton of text messages that I want to get to. And my man Tom, I love Tom's spirit. I love Tom's spirit. He's one of the guys that I'd love to just sit at a sports bar, have a couple beers, and just chop it up. Because I know Tom is a very smart uh, football fan, as as many members of Raider Nation are. I mean, I, I say it all the time. Uh, I do a podcast and I do a show, but there's so many people that call into the show all the time or text into the show. You could do your own show because you have football knowledge. I'm not being funny at all. I'm not being a smart ass. I'm being dead serious. Like I realize that Raider Nation is a very smart fan base, and I realize that you know what you're watching. And I sit there like I was at the oil last night with a bunch of buddies watching the game. 
and we were breaking it down, and everybody was making sense. That's not me gassing you up. That's me just saying, hey, I respect your football knowledge. Now, to Tom's text, which I don't agree with at all, but that's okay. We were talking about wins and meaningless wins, and let me just put it out there first. I will never in my life root for a team to lose so they can get a better draft pick. Let me say that now. Because just because you pick number one overall don't mean that you're going to get that number one player. You might get Jamarcus Russell instead of Calvin Johnson. You may get whoever, Michael Huff, instead of whoever you end up with, a a really good player. You know, I mean, how many chances have the Raiders had to get a hell of a player in the draft and the next guy ended up being the stud? I mean, and you can go, I'm not singling out the Raiders. You can go through the history of the draft if, if they redid the draft over with Aaron Rodgers coming out, do you think he would have gone where he went? Do you think he would be a Green Bay Packer? All those teams that passed on him, including the Raiders, would not have passed on him. Think about Larry Fitzgerald. Who did the Raiders draft instead of Larry Fitzgerald? They went and drafted the, uh, the offensive lineman out of Iowa. And who, I forget his name now, but he looked like a Raider. Looked like a great offensive lineman. He wasn't worth the salt. Just wasn't. I completely forget his name. And that lets you know all you need to know about him. You think the Raiders wouldn't have liked to have Calvin Johnson? Instead, they got Jamarcus Russell. I mean, so on and so forth. So, I mean, you can go, you can go down the road. We could play this game all day. But it's kind of depressing. But that goes to every single team in the league. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. The hell, the Raiders could have had T.J. Watt. They could have had T.J. Watt. Instead, they went and got Garyon Conley. And we could do that all day. So I say that to go to Tom's text. A meaningless win versus two draft spots is not much. Going from 8th to 11 in a year where you have two first-round picks, it could move up easy when it's hard to move up in two, uh, two different rounds is a tad different. It's Halle Dam Barry Pimple or not. Are you insane? But not being excited for beating the Browns in another year or not doing nothing ain't the damn same. Woohoo! Beat the Browns, so amped up, hang the banner, baby. Tom, that's really not the text that I meant to get to. My fault. That was not the Tom text. But I he meant sent to. so many. He so, said, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. He sent so many. Oh, okay, here is this is the one. I'm sorry. I'm sure the Chargers would rather have beaten the Raiders or Kansas City in the last two weeks of 2019 than having Justin Herbert. Carr may not be the problem, but he isn't the answer. Andy Dalton wasn't the main problem in Cincy, but he. But what did he contribute? That's from Tom. Look, we can all go back and say, okay, the Raiders would they like to have Justin Herbert? Sure, but you could also go back and say Miami would love to have Justin Herbert, and they end up getting Tua. I mean, so you can do that with every single team. And just because you have a pick number eight or you have a pick at number four don't mean you're going to make the right pick. That's, the, that's my point. What because does it mean? Because you can mean? do the revisionist history with every right. great player. What does it mean what number you're picking at unless you guarantee that that pick is going to be correct? You don't know. So I'm not going to root for a team to lose. Oh, man, I hope they lose this game and get to the first overall pick. You think the Lions in their locker room were saying that they hope that they keep losing? No. And the other thing about that, Tom, you think these guys that are on one-year deals care about where the Raiders draft in 2022? No. They don't want to lose. You think Solomon Thomas is like, hey, well, lose this game. Raiders will have a higher draft pick in 2022. He don't give a squat. He's on a one-year deal. Casey Hayward don't want to lose. He's on a one-year deal. Go back to all the guys. That are on one-year deals. You think they care where the Raiders are picking next year? There's no guarantee they're going to be a Raider. Exactly. And I would love, like, when we talk about players talking realistically, if someone comes to the podium, yeah, you got beat on that pass. You straight, you got straight up burned. Yeah, but 
me giving up that game-winning touchdown puts us a little bit better in our odds for the number seven pick. You think Rich so, Versace so that. <laughs> cares where the Raiders pick in 2022? He coaching for a job. You think Greg Olson, Gus Bradley, Mike Mayock, Mark Davis? Mark Davis don't give a damn about no draft pick. He's hoping they pick 32nd. Every team wants to pick 32nd. So I'll never, ever root for a loss. So when you say that they're meaningless losses or meaningless wins, I think that that's false. And the reason I do is because I don't think there's any player in that locker room that wants that team to lose. If you can find me one, great. But I, I, if you can, that's not the guy I want on my team. If you find me one guy in the locker room that wants to lose or doesn't mind losing because the draft pick's going to be better, that's the guy I don't want on my team. That's the guy I ask the, the, the front office, can you move on from him? That's what I would do. I don't want anyone with a loser mentality like that on my team. And that's what that is, a loser mentality. I want to go out and win everything I can, regardless. Again, I mentioned it yesterday. In the NFL, and you heard John McClain say it. You heard Ed Graney say it. You heard Ted say it. In the NFL, you're guaranteed 17 of them. You want to win as many of them as you can. You don't care about next year. I've never, ever met a professional that cared about next year. What did Hunter Renfro say about the numbers he's putting up? He could be like, hey, man, I'm going to get a fat contract extension. I'm going to get a fat contract because I got all these numbers. He said it don't, none of that matters if we're losing games. Where does that mentality come in where it makes sense? Where do, Make that make sense to me. Raider Nation, do you give a squat about the draft picks? What has is, what is, what is getting picking high done for you? I'll wait. I will. I did a backflip when they drafted Jamarcus Russell. I thought he was the next coming of Christ. And he wasn't. We all know that. He was a joke. But I was excited about it because I thought, oh, that's the quarterback of the future. He could throw the ball 70 yards from a knee. Oh, man, what he could have. Yeah, exactly. Now he's a joke on Twitter. He was a joke. He was a joke before Twitter. Oh, yeah, true. I just don't understand where that mentality comes in, that you rather see a team lose and have to and get a better draft pick than trying to win a game today. Come here, Vinny. I think these people trying to be smarter, like just trying to like outsmart the game. What ha- I mean, look, the Baltimore Ravens, like John McClain said, the Baltimore Ravens have a great job of talent evaluating and drafting guys in the first, second, third, fourth round, whatever. They find talent up and down the draft. The Patriots, they find guys that fit with what they want to do. What have the Raiders done in the draft that makes you think the higher the pick they get, the better it's going to be? Because they see the players that have been, been successful just a little bit. And then they think, hey, that could be us. We could pick that guy. Because everyone has the revisionist history of, oh, man, like that Hall of Famer. It's like I said this to you during the break. It's always like the surefire Hall of Famers, the guys who are setting the league on fire. No one's ever like, oh, man, we could have picked that role player like that, <laughs> right. that was picked in like three. He had a, a couple productive seasons. Nobody ever says, oh, man, we should have taken that guy instead. It's always the guy who is Nobody just- says could have had Taco Charlton. <laughs> Vinny, how you doing? What are we talking about here, gentlemen? Uh, we're talking. By the way, good good to see you both. Of you yeah, guys. it's great to see you in yeah. the studio and everything, man. We're, we're man, it's blessed to be in here. Uh, I I just been talking about Tom hit us up, and I love Tom's spirit. Uh-huh. But he was saying, I said, I started the show saying, name me a win that you've ever achieved in your life that you were mad about. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so he said, well, the Raiders have meaningless wins, and they beat the Chargers and they beat the Chiefs in 2019, and so they ended up losing some draft capital, and now they're at number 11 instead of number 6, and they could have drafted Justin Herbert. Could have, would have, should have, but that don't mean you're going to pick the guy. Well, what, what, in what context is he talking about? Like, are, Is he saying just to tank the rest of the season? No, he's just saying that the Raiders have had multiple meaningless wins, just like last night was a meaningless win to him, which I don't believe that either. Are you kidding me? <laughs> 
I mean, listen, if the Raiders win out, they've got a 90% chance of making the playoffs. Right. Which and I don't think they'll do, but they have the opportunity. They put themselves well, in position. Yeah, you don't get here right. to tank. You don't put yourself in a position to control your own destiny and tank and start thinking about losing. If that if they lose on Sunday, okay, then maybe you can start reevaluating things and experimenting and and you know, uh playing some younger players. But until you get to that point, you play to win the damn game. Period. Exactly. I never will sign up for the conversation of uh one, a uh, 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 ugly win is is not good. A win is a win, right? And I'll never sign up for a player is going to go out. Especially my example was these one year guys. Solomon Thomas ain't going out there and saying, "Hey, what about I, all I the care. young guys that are learning right now? Right? I, what I, kind I, of message are you sending to them if you're talking about losing? They care about their draft picks in 2022. They don't give a rat's you know what about the draft pick. You think Max Crosby cares about the draft next year? No, as a fourth round Come draft on. pick, no. No, none, none of them do at all. Vinny Bonsignor is coming up. Lincoln Kennedy is going to join them in the huddle. They got a lot to talk about 4 to 6 p.m. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.